Hello and welcome to the Chime Health Leader Podcast, a Chime membership series where we bring you the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for the podcast and the CEO and president of Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. It is our privilege to welcome you to our new Chime Trailblazer series, where we meet with and celebrate those digital health leaders who are forging new paths, coming up with new and inspirational ideas and shaping an industry for the better. These leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know these leaders and support them here at Chime. Today, we welcome a panel of distinguished Chime leaders who are each on their own mission to make healthcare truly digitally enabled. They are all a catalyst for change by leading people through innovation, transformation, standardization, automation, and integration initiatives. That's a lot of nations at the end of that. But even more importantly, I like revolution as we start thinking about that. I'm going to be welcoming first the Chief Information Officer at Dell Medical School at the University of Texas at Austin, Andrea Darty, as well as the Chief Information and Digital and Innovation Officer of Health Choice Networks, Oscar Perez, and the Chief Information Officer of the University of Wisconsin Health System, Chiro Gaswami. Thank you all for joining the program. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure for having us here. Pleasure to be here. Well, I mean, without any uh, joke about it at all, it is challenging times in healthcare to say the least. Uh, we just keep talking about it. I don't know if we could just keep adding more challenges to your plates at this point. You just came out of the worst pandemic in human history. Now on top of that, we throw on the biggest economic challenges in, in a few decades, all while we've been really trying to do what I would call the right thing which is really address some of the things that put people at disadvantage in this country. Uh, whatever words you use, whether those are health equity issues, disparity issues, whatever it is, we just see that things continue to work against us in ways that we never have before in this industry. And when more challenges come on, it just makes us harder because now you're trying to figure out how to cut staff or cut expenses or find efficiencies instead of maybe really addressing the real macro level issues, which are how do you make sure both internal to the industry from a human capital perspective, whatever you want, that we give more people opportunities, but even more importantly, from a health delivery perspective, how do we make sure we're delivering healthcare in such a way that really balances things out? And so I just love to hear maybe at the beginning, what do you think our responsibility is in healthcare? Whether you want to say from your organization or you want to say from a you know, professional association like Chime, which you're all great members of, or maybe the IT part, whatever really is important to you, what do you think our responsibility is for addressing health equity and our portion of the healthcare industry? We're going to start with you, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that uh, UT Austin has done is really one of the four pillars um, for Dell Medical School specifically is community outreach. And so within our population health group, uh, we really focused on a program that we call SHIP, um, which really is, is centered around social determinants of health, right? So how do we go out into the community and make sure that our patient population is actually receiving what it is they need, whether they're in food deserts and it's making sure that they have access to food um, or access to utilities. I mean, it's really clothing, shelter. Um, it's been really amazing. The, the project kicked off shortly after I arrived, excuse me, shortly before I arrived, just over three years ago, and it's been amazing to see the progress and impact that that's had on the local Austin community um, over these past three and a half, almost four years. 
All right, Oscar, let's jump over to you. What do you think responsibilities are for us? Yeah, no, that, it's a great question. I think, you know, as leaders in this industry, I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to, to bring upon this change um, and challenge the status quo and bring, being able to bring, you know, health equity to our communities that we serve. Um, I work for Health Choice Network, which is a health center-controlled network. Uh, we work um, with FQHCs throughout the country, and we feel, you know, these are the health centers that are at the front lines helping, you know, bring health care, bring access to those that need it the most. And so, you know, it really, it always starts with access, I think. You know, it's being able to get access to it, whether it's through, you know, mobile vans, whether it's um, technology, whatever whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's that's our responsibility. I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to be able to make sure that the technology that we're implementing and the health systems that we work for uh, are providing equitable health care to the patients we serve. So, Well, Chira, we'll jump over to you here. You know, you live in this great little euphoric place called Madison, Wisconsin. I mean, it sounds so nice. It's got to be perfect, right? You know, but just as much the greatest challenges are in every community. What do you think the responsibilities well, it's are? It's ironic you said that about <laughs> Madison. I mean, if you start thinking about this, uh, you know, we as a nation rank about number 50 out of 125 developed nations when it comes to infant mortality. And Wisconsin actually ranks amongst the last five states out of that 50. So as much as we appreciate the good things about Madison, that's the hard fact that we live in. And so with that comes a responsibility to use the word, and it's an entitlement that the next generation has from us to fix this problem. So we, in our own way, are doing a program called Saving Our Babies, which is specifically focused on black women, because not many people realize this, but Mortality rate for black women is three times the rate of white women. Mortality rate for kids born to black women are three times the rate of white women, and about a third more kids don't make it to their first birthday. So when you face all of that, it becomes more than a responsibility. It becomes a mission. Yeah, when you start hearing real numbers, real <coughs> facts, it, 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 be, it doesn't become banter. It doesn't become a cliched program and a hashtag, it becomes what we all generally, I think, came into healthcare for, which really is to provide patient care. And so, you know, you gave a great example, Andrea, of what you're doing in your organization, but let's shift it a little bit, maybe even to the profession. You know, what are some of the things you're doing to truly help personally to make a difference in the industry when it comes to these things? Yeah, absolutely. So internally, I've kind of made it a, a mission of mine, so to speak, to really um, hire and build an IT department that's reflective of the patient population that we serve for a couple of reasons. I think it's really important, you know, to have people who understand the cultural differences of our pa patient population as we're implementing new technology that will be at their fingertips, right, as consumers, but also used by our providers. Um, you know, you may not, as a black woman, I may not communicate with my provider the same way as I would communicate, as a white woman may communicate with her provider. So having that diversity, I think, is so incredibly important um, as we look at te technology and all of the, you know, new technology. <laughs> Technology that we're implementing, the innovative technology, but as we really lean more into this consumer model, I think it's really important that we have that representation from start to finish, um, you know, and from technology to the patient's hand. Awesome. Sure. What about you? What do you think your, your responsibilities are? What do you think you can be doing to really, as a leader, can make a difference? So I would probably put it into two buckets, awareness and action. As a leader and also a person of color in many ways, it is my responsibility to generate awareness. And you know, until very recently, if you use the term BIPOC, you would be asked to explain it. 
at least six months later in my community, in my organization, I don't have to stop and st explain to somebody what it stands for. That's a little win in the awareness category. Action, be very, very deliberate. You can't talk about 80-20 rules when you're talking about social determinants of health because for that 20%, it's 100% of the problems. So when you design the solutions, like Andrea said, you know, do it deliberately. Part of that saving the babies, there is a, there is a program called Connect Rx because we know that individuals don't have access to healthcare centers all the time. So we have to go out and connect where they get their care. Sometimes that may not be my hospital, sometimes it may not even be a clinic, but you have to form a, a network where we do it with the patient in mind. So that awareness and action, and I do want to add what Andrea said, hire diverse leaders because then you know how others think. Without that, it's just a piece of woods on paper. Wow. So you're both in big, complex, academic, big organizations. I've spent time with both of you and yours, and, and, and that's both a great thing and a bad thing. And sometimes, you know, you, you do frontline research. You're doing all this cool academic stuff and building the leaders of, of clinical and other things future. But Oscar, you're on the front lines, man. You, you are like special forces out there in your organization. Tell us what you think in your, from your perspective. Yeah, no, um, you know, uh, first of all, I agree with Andrea and Cheryl about hiring. I think that's an important aspect of it. But I would say it's three things for us. Um, you know, advocacy is one of those things that we we um, have to get involved in. You have to get you have to participate in what's in your local, you know, state um, or even D.C. Um, federal areas and support the policies that, you know, are going to help um, some of these causes. Right. Whether it's uh, pharmaceuticals with 340B, whether it's, you know, uh, better access to care, whatever it is, and just make sure that you're from an advocacy perspective you're involved. Second, I would say it's research uh, and analytics. We don't, you know, uh, the data of the patients that we serve is underrepresented in a lot of the research research that's done at big academic medical centers and other places. So making sure that that data is incorporated into the data set um, and accounted for in the in these data sets of the research that we're conducting. And then third, from my perspective, yeah, we're, you know, which is very basic from a technology perspective, we're putting a lot of these clinics on a on the on the right platform, and you know that's that's always been a struggle. These um, health centers are constantly on on different solution sets. They're always struggling with the technology. So making sure you're picking the right partner and the right platform for their on, so that you can move beyond some of these you know more nuanced uh, issues. So spend let's spend a little time talking about the future of technology, the future of healthcare technology and the opportunities it brings. But let's just put a different little colored lens on this as we look through this and think through this. Well, we have been dealing now with probably at least the last two, maybe three decades of the technology divide, where whether that small, rural, disadvantaged um, uh, portions of major metropolitan areas, whatever the case may be, we've just continued to propagate a technology divide. And, and big academic organizations, big, very well-off financial organizations, Really advance, and then like a critical access hospital in the middle of nowhere, continues to fall behind. Well, then we coupled that with the cyber divide. Guess what? Those with lots of services do really, really well, at least relative, and the ones that don't have. But now what we're seeing is technology might actually not be always solving the solution, but actually making the the, the problem worse. And whether this is the right term or not, I'll, I'll coin it this way. It's actually the disparity divide that as we move forward, 
we're so busy being busy with cool technology and data analytics and all the latest cool chat GPT and whatever else the next thing that we throw in there rather than sometimes maybe some basic blocking and tackling of that other 80%, you know, do they have a good mattress? Do they have access to transportation? Do they whatever, whatever, whatever? What do you think the next five years looks like? Is it possibly going to get actually worse? Or is the is it going to get better if we apply technology correctly? Chiro, tough question. I know, I'll throw it at you first because <laughs> it looks like you don't want to answer the question. Yeah, so I'll, I'll throw laughing. this right at you I'll first, everybody. The way you just teed it up, I have Charles Dickens going in my head going, it's the tale of two cities. It's the best of times, it's the worst of times, it's the age of wisdom, it's the age of foolishness. And we are at the crossroads of nostalgia and ambition right now. That's where I find myself. To keep things simple, we have to stay away from the buzzwords. All the nations that you mentioned, and you can add transformation to it in many ways, has really made us move away from our focus. If you boil it down to simplicity, the way I look at technology is, what is it doing for my workforce? What is it doing it for my workflow? What is it doing it for my work-life balance of all the constituents that I serve? Many a company cannot answer those three simple questions. At the end of the day, I can move the bits and bytes from here to there. Technology works. It's very different than solutions. And to our vendor partners out there, I would say they can be our partner by reducing the cost of entry into something that we all want to do but cannot afford to do. Most health systems are not making money right now. But technology is the hope. It is the hope. Wow. Oscar, follow that. Wow, that's a tough thing. I mean, what, what book are you going to quote right out of the gate here? You know, I might have to uh, quote like the latest Sports Illustrated or something. Sure, sure, just put me in my spot, man. Yeah, no, I, you know, I agree. I think that you know, healthcare's always tended to be a laggard in in the industry. So it's, I think it's always been one of those things that you can look at different industries to predict the future of what's going to happen in healthcare. The challenge I think that's been there is that in healthcare we apply it very siloed. Right. And it's buzzword bingo. Every conference we go to now, everybody out there is an AI expert. Right. Everybody's got a chat bot. A couple of years ago, everybody's pop health. Prior to that, it was big data. Right. So I think that we look at it very, you know, siloed rather than looking at um, rather than looking at the outcomes that we're trying to achieve, like I think was talked about earlier today. And I think that's the way we have to look at it. Look at the workflow. Look at the patients it's impacting. Look at the workforce that it's impacting. And what are we trying to accomplish at the end of the day? Then we can layer on the technology. And the technology should really be seamless, but it's really not. I think it's kind of front and center in many, many cases in healthcare. Well, at, at the risk of offending Chiro, the fact, uh, Andrea, you are currently at the greatest university of all time, the University <laughs> of Texas, where I happen to go. Hook'em uh, horns. There you go, hook'em horns. It's a requirement every time any of us come together. Uh, but, you know, what, what do you think about this issue? Is, is Are we just going to make it worse, or, or do we really have a chance of making it better? You know, I think it's a blessing and a curse, uh, quite frankly, right? There's a lot of great tech out there. But I think if you take a step back and really look at why we're all in this, which is to serve patients, they've been overlooked. Mm. You know, I think we're so, to, to my colleague's point, I mean, we're so worried about all the buzzwords and everybody's an AI 
um, specialist or machine learning, right? And, you know, there's there was a TikTok, actually, I watched the other day, um, where a physician was pretending that he completed med school through using chat GPT. And so they did, like, five years from now, like, a conversation between, like, a patient and a chat GPT physician. And when you think about it, it's actually kind of scary because of the technology that's available. And you wonder if you know, we're gonna lose the human element of patient care because we're gonna be so reliant on technology. Physicians are at an all-time uh, high on burnout. Nursing's at an all-time high on burnout. You know, I spoke about this at boot camp, right? And if we don't have nurses and physicians to care for our patients, what are we going to expect a robot to do it? So I think we really need to take a step back. I think technology can certainly be a solution, but it's not the only solution. We still need to have the human touch, and we still need to have the processes to support the technology. You know, it's interesting. Just recently, I was with one of my dear friends who I also consider her a mentor, and I was talking to her about this, and I said, you know, sometimes we feel paralyzed because there's so many things that we need to do. And I, and I asked her this kind of what I thought was a rhetorical question, and I once again got put in my place. I've gotten used to do that happening to many times in my life, especially from the women in my life. But in this case, very much so, just the, this great person and leader. And I said, if I've only got $1 to invest... Do I put it in a women's program? Do I put it in a minority program? Do I put it in, in an inner city program? Do I put it in rural communities? Do I put it in, what do I put it in? And thinking I was asking this question where they kind of compound the fact of you, you, you have so many opportunities that you have no opportunities to really make a difference. And she just looked at me and said, quit talking about it and spend the dollar. <laughs> and I said, nothing. I mean, I literally sat there with a blank look. I'm like, yeah. She goes, you may not be able to fix every problem, but go fix a problem. Go put something somewhere and make a difference. And I was like, wow, sometimes we get so busy trying to spoil the ocean is a good analogy that sometimes all we want is a cup of tea. And, and sometimes that's all, all you need to do is think of it that way. So you all are great leaders. Obviously, listening to you and how you're addressing this, this truly both macro and micro level issue it's in our society, it's in our, it's in our industry, it's in our profession, it's in your day-to-day -day work. As you think about what you've had to deal with in your lives, what you've had to deal with in your profession, what you've had to, what are some of those lessons? And, and again, I'm going to ask you to look through it the lens of the topic we're talking about here with, with trying to deal with health equity. What are some of the great lessons that you could share with our listeners that they can take and maybe learn from sometimes maybe as simple as the one I just said, sometimes very complex. Oscar, we're going to start with you. What's one of those great lessons in leadership that you've learned to address some of these things? Yeah, I would say that, you know, that leadership, it's about those that you lead. And so it goes back to, I think, what was Andrew was saying earlier. It's about the people. It's about the people you serve. It's about the people you work with. It's about the people you mentor. Um, so at the end of the day, it's about the people. So not about the technology. It's And so I feel like that's, you know, a lesson that I've always try to apply and, and I always like to be you know be humble know that you don't know everything be a, a continual learner in life and uh, and I think always try to do the right thing awesome all right Andrea what do you think yeah I mean I would agree with that as well um, you know somebody told me very early on in my career um, as I you know expressed that I wanted to um, pursue leadership roles um, is to be the leader that you need <laughs> Uh, and so that's stuck with me as I've grown, um, you know, kind of manager, director, now CIO. Uh, you know, it's really kind of going back to that person, that analyst, that learning consultant, kind of those entry-level jobs and thinking about how 
um, you know, what it was that I needed and, and making sure that as a leader, I'm providing that to my staff. Because at the end of the day, I can't do anything without a team. And so I learned just as much from them as they learn from me. And we're a family. And I just, I really appreciate um, being able to be so close and learn um, and, and really focus and change and make a difference with people who um, are aligned and share the same values as I do. It's All a right. privilege. Leading is a privilege. That is awesome. Chair, what about you? Great lessons. So, so very much similar to my two colleagues, uh, aspire to inspire. As a leader, people are listening to you not because they believe you, but because they hope you are going to take them to those lands that they've been talked about and meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. I worry in this remote work activity, this mm -hmm. is coming down very fast. Meet people where they are. We're talking a lot of technology and relationship is taking a nose dive. So. Well, okay. that's, that's a great one to transition into our last question here because you know that's one of the things we try to do at Chime is, is try to continue to build and maintain relationships where we can lean on each other. And so it's four of us in here, one plus one plus one plus one plus one is not four. We want to figure out how to make it 87. I mean, that's literally the thing here. So uh, we're going to start with you, Oscar. You know, what does Chime mean to you? Uh, it, to you personally, it, it, it could be uh, just it's where I got some education. It could be something else. What, yeah. what does Chime mean to you? No, I think it's about things like this. It's about the networking. It's about getting together with friends and sharing and collaborating at the end of the day and, and not being in the day-to-day -day meeting, hustle, uh, taking a little time off, maybe go get a drink, you know, <laughs> wear a cowboy hat, you know, one of those things. <laughs> well, I think that was a shot at me. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it was very on target. <laughs> Chira, what do you think, buddy? What do you think about Chime? What, what, what makes you want to be part of this community? You know I, I really feel Chime is a safe zone for me. It's twice a year where I can come and mm -hmm. I can listen and learn and ask without being deemed stupid. <laughs> and I can also share in my comments without being judged. It's a community that as all three of us have gone through boot camp and you know, we have grown and we have grown together and it's at a time where we pay back. So safe zone. Andrew, kind of last shot here. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it um, great yesterday. Um, you know, the fall forum is like a family reunion, and I genuinely feel that every time I come to these events, you know, it's hugs and smiles and, you know, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? But even more so, you know, I think it's just there's there's nothing like it. I've never experienced an organization or a community quite like Chime where I can pick up the phone if I'm dealing with something. I can pick up the phone and call, um, you know, really anybody and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. What would you do? Or have you experienced that? And they'll answer. And they're happy to share. And I just, I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part of this community because it's been as as you know, right, um, being in the CIO role for the first time, there's been a lot of lessons learned, and I've made a lot of those phone calls. I'm probably going to have to start paying some folks. But there's just, it's it's family. Chime to me is family. Well, we absolutely pride ourselves on that family. And uh, and like any family, it's always it's not always good. Sometimes it's a little weird. Sometimes it's a little crazy. You got your, your crazy Uncle Chiro over there sometimes <laughs> with your crazy Uncle Russ. And we get together, we're going to have a good time. You know, those are the people at the family reunion. You go, we want to hang out with them. That's what <laughs> yeah. we want. But no, more importantly, I wanted to thank all three of you for what you do for our industry. More importantly, the responsibility you take really seriously on this tough issue. Uh, I mean, obviously, you take it seriously from a leadership perspective. But I think it's also personal, and it is something that we all should take personal, regardless of our background. But Rally More is an opportunity and a responsibility back to our industry. So I want to thank you all for, for everything you do for not just Chime, but for our industry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, with that, we'd also like to thank you for being listeners for this program of our Trailblazer series. You can listen to this and all of our programs at chimecentral.org forward slash media or Spotify to listen to this program and or all of our other podcasts from top healthcare leaders. Continue to improve, transform, and create positive change to advance and improve health and care throughout the communities we serve. Stay safe and God bless.